and, and in a time where it's very important that we have the priests in the house to be praying 24-7. And we are not ashamed to ask you to support the priests that have given themselves to this place for night and day worship and prayer. So I am going to even take it farther and say that if you know any millionaires or if you are a millionaire, we are asking you to support the work of the kingdom that God is doing here. The, uh, God established this house of prayer with signs and wonders and miracles over a long period of time, 10, I don't know how long it's been now, but it's been a long time. And, and so he has established it and sewed it in. So he's obviously wanting to do something really exciting here. And we want to support those that have given their lives to it and not have the priest starving in the house of prayer. Amen? All right. So welcome. Glad you're here. Um, on Thursday, I talked about the revelation of intercession. How many of you are here on Thursday? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, go back and I'm going to touch a little bit about what we talked about um, on Thursday. And then I'm going to also um, add to it. And then Matthew is going to come up, and he's going to talk a little bit about why it's important that we pray for Israel so that those of us who really don't understand God's heart for Israel can get a, a brief understanding. And then we're going to go into a time of intercessory prayer for Israel because we want to give everybody here an idea of what we do on uh, all, all day, every day, while we, we're open in this prayer room. So um, we, have, we have our Israel sets on Monday nights from 8 to 10, and then on Tuesday nights, we've now, um, is our justice sets, but right now we're going to be praying for America and the safety and the blessing of America during this season. Um, today is Rosh Hashanah, so I think it's um, appropriate that we talk about these things. Um, you know, the Lord has been showing me that so often what we'll do is we water down the word to the level of our experience in life. But I believe that now he's saying it really that those days for us are over. And we, we have to come up to the level of the, uh, our experience. We have to bring our experience up to the level of the word of God. A couple of weekends ago, a man named Don Harris was here and he was talking to us about stewarding money. And he was very bold in how he was talking to us about extravagant giving. And I'm so thankful for the testimony this morning because it just, it just, God is saying to us, if you will let go of this, you'll really understand about my kingdom principles and the fact that I am a man, I am not a man like you. I do not have one plus one does not equal two in my kingdom. One minus one does not equal zero in my kingdom. But I have math that you need to know about. And it and then so it applies to everything in the realm of the spirit. He is not like us. His mind is not like our minds. And so we have to quit seeing God as we think of ourselves. And so Don Harris really brought it to us in a very, a very bold way when he said to us, we have to quit seeing the kingdom like we see the American dream. And we have to quit seeing the things of God in that same way. And we have to let go of all of that. And, and if we need a season for mourning, we have to go ahead and allow ourselves to mourn. Because we do not live in the age of our parents. 
We do not live in the age that our parents grew up in and how we thought things were going to go, but we are part of a generation that all generations before us hoped that they would be a part of. And if we know that that's true, then we also know that we're going to live in a time of incredible shaking, but incredible power, incredible hardship, but incredible victory. And so we can no longer see ourselves and plan our lives around the white picket fences, but we have to plan our lives around how we are going to bring the heaven to the earth, how we are going to bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. And so that has to be the way that we order our lives. And we can no longer see it as something that we say, but, not, but that we don't do it. We can no longer say, I love the message of the forerunner, but I don't live the life of a forerunner. Because that's really the life of, of what I see in a lot of people. They say, yes, we love this forerunner message. And because I grabbed a hold of the forerunner message, I am a forerunner. Agreeing with a message is not enough unless the prophetic word stirs us into action. And we line our lives up with the word of God. Not just the word of God. Where's where's my Bible? Oh, here it is. Not just this word of God, but the word of God that he's releasing in this hour. That we say, you have said this, so therefore I am going to take my day timer and align my life up with the reality of what you've spoken. So as we are going to be praying for Israel later, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Reese Howes. Because what's happening in the world right now is we are repeating history. We have upon us in this nation danger and trouble is coming to America. Because we didn't learn the lesson of history. We did not learn the lesson from World War II that appeasement does not work when Satan and the demonic forces are beginning to enrage men. Appeasement, the word appeasement basically means I want to try to get peace through weakness. It's like two dogs coming into a yard and one of them is a pit bull and the, and the one dog sees that it's a pit bull, so it rolls over and, bear, and, 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 and uncovers its belly, hoping that the pit bull will not kill him. But what he's done is he just said, you now have ownership of me. You now have rulership over me. So when Benjamin Netanyahu said this week, well, wait a minute, before I say that, I want to tell you what Gary Bauer, how many of you know who Gary Bauer is? And guys, I'm not getting into politics. I'm just speaking the truth here. I mean, let's all just let's all just get real, shall we? Can we just get real for a minute? Gary Bauer, who was part of Reagan's administration, he's birthed many um, wonderful ministries in the earth. But he he two weeks ago, three weeks ago, he published in his newsletter a report that um, that. This administration ha- uh, sent a message through a European envoy to Iran. And the message was not, hey, we just want you guys to know that we're really going to hold you, your feet to the fire. We're going to hold you to task over this nuclear weapons program and, uh, that you've got going on. And we don't want you to build a bomb and we're going to give you more time. No, it, the message was, 
we will not stand with Israel if you will not hurt any of our Middle Eastern interests. You, if you, we will not stand with Israel in this hour if you will not hurt us, the United States, if you will not hurt any of the U.S. interests in the Middle East or here at home. So you have two dogs that just went into a yard and, and one dog rolled over. Peace through appeasement will not get us peace. Our founding fathers knew this. We should have learned the lesson when we when we tried to come against Hitler, when England tried to come against Hitler, tried to come against Hitler. What did Chamberlain say to him? He said, "If you will not attack us, then we will do nothing to stop you." And so he came to him and tried to appease Hitler. And what did Hitler do? He signed the agreement with him, and then he turned around and he invaded Poland. And he didn't stop there. So appeasement does not work. And what does Jesus say about appeasement? Jesus said, I have called you to be intercessors and watchmen on my wall so that you will stand in the day of evil. That you will not play with evil, that you will not placate evil, that you will not appease evil, but you will stand against evil. And so night and day, day and night, I believe God is raising up a prayer movement because evil is about to take on a form that we do not want to encounter. Something where the shaking is shaking in a desperate way. Hear my heart now. The shakings are going to be so violent. But, but we have hope in our heart because we've got the word of the Lord. And he's called us in this hour to stand against it and call it down. But if we keep going about our American lives saying, well, I've got to go to the mall. I've got to meet Jane for lunch. I've got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. I'm so busy. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to get on the wall. Then we will be, then we will not be able to stand. We will get run over by evil. Netanyahu said this. If the U.S. will not draw a red line before Iran, they have no moral authority to give a red light to Israel. So if we're not willing to say to Iran, you, here's the line, you cannot go any farther than this, and we will reinforce this with the full measure of authority that we have. He said, if you're not willing to do that, then you have no more authority to tell this nation that we don't have the ability to protect itself. Reese Howells understood this, and he understood that he was called to be in a place at a time with a company of people. And this company of people basically were just a bunch of young adults, 18 to 24. They were all going to school with him. So they were not highly educated. They were not the strong. It was not the military. They did not have any weaponry. The only weaponry they had was the weapon of, of warfare, God's warfare. Our weapons are not carnal, right? 
But they are weapons in the spirit to take down the stronghold and to take down the strong man. And so when Reese Howes set about doing this and he agreed that this is how he was going, he was not going to go to war, but he knew he was called to the place of intercession and prayer. He said this, there are times in God's dealings with his servants when he sets apart for himself, not just individuals, but companies baptized by one spirit into one body for one God-appointed purpose. So I believe that we once again have arrived at that place. God reestablished the nation of Israel, the apple of his eye. And Matthew's going to talk a little bit more about that later. But I want to talk to you about intercession and why it's important right now that we drop everything We drop business as usual right now because I believe that he's established us as a small company of people that he's called for such a time as this. I believe that he is looking at us to stand in the gap on his behalf, not just for Israel, but for America. for our sons and our daughters, that there will be an America for them and for our grandchildren. You see, Jesus created the earth. This is the principle of intercession. The principle of intercession is that Jesus himself, as part of the Godhead, with his spoken word, created the earth. He formed it. He saw what was in the Father's mind and saw the, everything, all of the good things that he had in his mind and the purposes and the plans for the earth that he had in his mind and in his heart. And Jesus said, Dad, that looks great. And he began to speak it. And he said, let there be light. And it was so. And he said to the oceans, you can go this far and no farther. And it was so. Let the earth bring forth grass, and it was so. See, Jesus is identified as the creator who spoke this. In Ephesians 3, 9, he was the God who created all things through Jesus Christ, and he sustains the world. He sustains the universe by his word. And so it is Jesus, when we... When we are in the place of intercession, it is Jesus that is speaking, wanting to co-create. He's wanting to do what? He's wanting to sustain, create, and govern through his intercessors. He has chosen this form for us to live at this time so that he can co-create. He can bring life, he can sustain life, and he can govern life through us. And it's in that place of intercession. And listen, this is an individual thing. Because we're all created to be houses of prayer, right? We're all the habitation of God. We we churn and burn with God all the time. Whether we're in this building or we're out of this building, that is the reality. But there are seasons when he's calling us to a corporate expression of that reality. So he's taking the lamp and the oil that each one of us has, and he's creating a huge bonfire. 
because there's something greater that he wants to establish and it's going to create it's going to it's going to require more light this type of intercession jesus said this he said i uphold all things by the word of well or paul said or whoever wrote hebrews we're not sure anyway he said he upholds all things by the word of his power, and in him all things are established, Colossians 1.7. That word, in, things, in him all things are established, that word means to hold together. So if in him all things are held together, all things are established, and all things consist, and he lives within you, then what he's saying is in that place of intercession, you hear what he's saying, and you release it into the earth. And what did Reese Howes do? Reese Howes, in the, in the, in the Battle of Dunkirk, well, first of all, before, the, before World War II even started, four years before it even started, the Lord began to talk to him and establish him there in a place in Wales. So he had, he, had, he, had, he had purchased several estates in Wales to establish a school. God was preparing the school and the house of prayer before World War II came up. So he prepares his people and his places of intercession before the danger presents itself. Why? Is God out to judge everybody? No, what he's doing is he's saying, listen, there is an enemy who wants to destroy my people and my purposes in the earth. Therefore, I am going to raise up a rampart and a wall of intercession that's going to stand against the day of evil. So that's what happened with Reese Howes. And so four years before, he knew what was going to happen. He knew what was coming. And he began to prophesy in newspapers and publications of what was about to happen. And he was prophesying what? That it was coming and that they were going to be victorious. That it was coming and that they were going to be victorious. <clears throat> so when the, when the war, as the war was, was happening, uh, there was a situation that presented itself in Dunkirk. And, um, and this is well documented about the Battle of Dunkirk. Well, at the time that, that World War II happened upon England, England was not in good shape financially. They had a, um, a president, or what is called a chamberlain, what do you call it? A prime minister, thank you. They had a prime minister who, of course, you know, rolled over before Hitler, showed his weakness before Hitler, and so Hitler is rolling the tanks towards England to take England. They begin to bomb England with their planes. And so what Reese Howes does is he begins to prophesy. He publishes his prophecies and he says, listen, even though we are in our darkest hour and it looks like we will not survive, I am telling you that God is saying that we will be victorious over Hitler. And so about... A month before Dunkirk happened, there were 500,000 of English troops that were there in Dunkirk. And, 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 the, and the German army was closing in on them, and they were trapped on all sides. And there was no way for the English to get their men out of that situation. 500,000 men. I want you to think about that. That was probably the majority of the English army. 
If those 500,000 men fell, then the English were going to be taken over by Hitler. So Rieshausen and his intercessors, man, they were like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this, God. It, the enemy is closing in on every side. And this is what he said. He said this, and I'm going to read his words. In spite of this apparent setback, as we read the diaries of the daily college meetings, they're a school now, we find ourselves among certainly not a fearful company, nor even chiefly among a praying one, but rather among those who already are on victorious ground when all around men's hearts are failing them for fear. And what gave them such clarity and assurance that theirs was victory? It was the prophetic word that the Lord had given him. So they're standing in a place with hope and peace when in fact all around them men's hearts are failing them for fear. But he called up a company of people and had prepared them four years beforehand to pray day and night to stand against evil when it came upon them. And so it is in this hour that God is preparing companies of people who say we are not going to be fearful but we know the word of the lord and we're going to press through this so that we will save an entire nation now what did he do in that hour what happened is they began to pray day and night night and day sometimes reese howell would, would disappear by himself and he would go away and wrestle with the lord cry out to the lord intercede before god and he would worship and, and speak the word of the Lord. And what happened is during the time when the, when the troops are rolling in to kill the last of the troops, uh, the, tr the German troops are rolling in to kill the last of the English. What happened? A great fog and a great wind and a storm blows up, right? So that when Hitler released all of his planes to go in and begin to destroy them, they cannot find them. So the English send small boats and yachts across the English Channel to rescue these men. And it was like 387,000 got out. Isn't, I mean, it's a miracle. First of all, it's a miracle. If any of you know anything about the history of the English Channel, it's impossible because the waters and the rocks are so severe that these men would even get rescued. But that God sent a covering over them so that they would be protected and could escape. Now, if Reese Howells had said, no, wait a minute. I'm going to go and I'm going to get guns and I'm going to start fighting in this war. What could he have done? Even if he was like David and his mighty men, maybe he could have slain, what, a thousand, ten thousand with his bare hands, right? But only God can save an entire nation. This is the word of the Lord. This is the power of the word of the Lord. He upholds all things by his word and in his power. He is determined to govern the earth through his intercessors. The word authority, the root word of authority is author. He authors the word of the Lord through us so that we can take dominion and govern. 
that we can, you know, we've got a government, right? We've got a government in the natural, but they need a little help. And so God is sending his intercessors that are going to release his angels so that our government in the natural can be victorious. When Jesus articulates the Father's thoughts, he functions as the living word. All things were made through him. His name is called the word of God. See, the thing is, is his thoughts are for good. We are not to be fearful in this hour. Because his thoughts are good. He is wanting to establish us. He is wanting to build us. He is wanting to, for us to have generation after generation of victory. He is wanting us to advance the gospel in all the world. But there are seasons and times for us to carry the message of life and the spirit of truth in a different way. And, and we're just, we're coming into a season of warfare, guys. We're coming into a season where we've got to be about the word of the Lord. And I know that this is a heavy message. You really aren't going to hear a lot of it be the best you can be at this place. And you know that. Not that we don't want to do that. But right now, I mean, that's, that's the U.S. Army. This is the army of God. Ezekiel 22 says, I, so I saw, so I sought for a man and among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. We are called to create, sustain, and govern. You know, God did this, and it says that, the word says that the Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion to rule in the midst of your enemies. God is wanting to rule and reign today with the rod of his strength. Just like he did with Moses. That was it's a perfect example when Moses carried the rod of his strength. He carried it in the natural so that all could see it. But what happened is when God told him, "I want you to speak to that rock and I want you to create sustain and govern through your word by speaking to that rock and I want you to get water for my people what did he do he took the rod and he hit the rock and because of that because he started operating in his own strength and not through the spirit God told him you are not you are, have lost the qualification to go into the promised land that's how serious God is about us establishing things by his word. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Will I establish myself and my, and, and my way in the earth? Create, sustain, and govern through his word. We cannot... When, when, we're, when things start to shake, and it's coming, it's coming, we cannot say, all right, we're going to get our guns. Now, I realize I'm in Texas here, because <clears throat> you don't have to go get guns, because you all already have them, right? <laughs> I'm going to get my gun, 
And I'm going to go kill me some commies, right? (laughs) Open up a can of redneck. That's what we typically do. But he's saying to us, "Here's, here's here's what I'm calling you to do. Open up a can of redneck in the spirit. Because I will create a wave that will knock them down. And I will establish and, ro- and, I will, and I will tear up and I will root up this evil from among you. All right, I'm going to give you some basic one, two, three, fours. Okay, y'all ready? All right, here is the weakness and the wisdom of intercession. God is so wise. Number one, God has chosen to use the things that men consider as weak to triumph over the things that men consider wise and mighty. He hasn't changed his idea about how he's going to do things. When war is upon us and the trumpet is blowing, he's not going to change his mind and say, okay, everybody go enlist. He said, you're already enlisted in what he likes to refer to as the army of God. And so he's not going to change his mind and say, I want you to all of a sudden use your strong arm. He's saying, I want you to use your strong voice. Number two, intercession is a form of voluntary weakness. And so we, we do this voluntarily because we understand the ways of God and we hear his voice. Number three, intercession causes us to internalize God's words by saying it back to him through our life. John 6 says this, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. Each time we say what God says, we are, it is marking our mind and spirit and it's changing us because his words are spirit and life. It's changing us and it's changing the atmosphere and the environment. So when we come in here for the, t- the sets, the intercession sets, what are we doing? We are creating We are sustaining and we are governing in God's kingdom. We're not just up here singing a bunch of songs. La, 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 God is good, God is good. We're seeing in heaven. These are prophetic intercessors, guys. They are in this prayer room all the time. And they take what they're doing very seriously. And they know when they step on that stage. And and the prophetic intercessors that are in this room, they know when they have stepped in this place that they have been called here by God for a purpose to to actually do something while they're here. One number am I on? Four. Intercession makes a long-term impact. Our prayers for people in cities continue to have an impact even after you're gone. Why? You've just made an investment into heaven. So your prayers are being poured into the bowls of heaven. And those prayers will be there when you get on the other side. You're paying it forward, man. You're paying it forward. And the blessings will continue to be poured out on the next generation even though you aren't here. Your prayers will stay in heaven and be poured out on a generation that is on the earth when you are long gone. Five. 
Intercession for others causes multiplication of blessings to be returned back to the life of the intercessor. This is good news. It will be given to you good measure running over. It will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Six, intercession changes the spiritual atmosphere of cities, nations, and thus prepares the way for the presence of God. I want to give you our own little testimony about when we experience the reality of intercession. Even though the word says it, when you live it, you just understand that the word of God is true and that nothing can stand against it. No evil can stand against it. So back in 2010, the Super Bowl was coming to Dallas, and with it was coming um, 20,000 sex slaves that were being brought in, imported, if you will, um, by pimps. And we know this because we know historically what the statistics are from other Super Bowl cities. And so we knew that there was going to be a huge spike, and and a lot of these girls were going to be brought in. 50% or more were actually in the trade, not of their own will. So they're being held captive for the purpose of uh, prostitution. So we really felt like the Lord gave us a burden, and, and he said, hey, stand against this because this is not going to take place in this city. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to build up a wall of intercession so that this doesn't come into Dallas. <clears throat> so we did. Um, we began to plan and uh, about six months beforehand, and then about six weeks beforehand, we really began to pray towards it and hit it in the spirit. Then 21 days beforehand, we had called the whole city, and the whole city signed up on an electronic um, site where everybody got on the wall. So 24-7, around the clock, we had prayer and intercession going to create a wall where this thing could not come near Dallas. So about six days before the Super Bowl, it starts to snow. And we thought, oh, this is cool, because it snows in Dallas sometimes. You know, it's like one day, and we all get so excited. Oh, look, there's snow on the ground. So then the next day, it ices. We have this ice storm. Well, then the next day it snows again, and it keeps going back and forth and back and forth. So what's happening is it's it's leading up to the Super Bowl, and and across the Midwest and in the areas around Dallas, there's like travel advisories that are going out, and they're telling people, do not get on the roads because you can't see the ice because there's layers of ice under all that snow. So in Dallas, something historical happened, they shut down the school systems and all the businesses for a whole week. Do y'all remember that? Why? Because somebody was praying. Come on. We're going to create, sustain, and govern. And so we had this thing in us that we all have to get it. Now, now's the time to say, not on my watch. Will you throw Israel under the bus? And so during that time, there was, not, there was only one case of prostitution that was reported. I'm feeling bad for Jerry Jones, but hey, that's the way it goes. Whatever. He still got rich, Johnson. This, now, if we had taken a different road and said, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to go evangelize and we're going to go talk to all of these people and try to get them not to do that, you know, hey, dude, we need to have the Bible. And that's good. 
But you think that's going to cause 20,000 women not to be imported into Dallas? So God did the same thing for us that he did for Reese House. He covered the heavens to block evil from coming into this place. Guys, this is where it gets fun. And we got to see it. We got to see the before and the after. We are victorious if we say yes. And so now is the time. Matthew, come on up. Now is the time for us to get serious about this and to get on the wall and, and take our daytimer and say, okay, that's not important for this season. That's not important for this season. I'm going to lay everything down. And for this season, I'm going to get on the wall because I've been called by God to stand against evil in this hour. Yeah, we need the worship team to come up. So Matthew's going to give us a brief summary of what's going on, and then we're all going to do a rapid-fire prayer, okay? It's going to be a lot of fun. If you've never done it, doesn't matter. Don't be shy. You don't have to have cool prayers, good prayers, whatever. We had a, we had a little girl come up here uh, the other day, uh, Sydney. She's six, seven, eight, okay, <laughs> whatever. She's, you know, she broke heaven open twice. <laughs> She got back in line. <laughs> so it doesn't take, it doesn't want, you know, interesting words from us or clever words or Bible words. He just wants a heart that says, God, help us. Have mercy on us. Amen? Um, you know, what I'm sure a lot of you have been just familiar with the news with, with Israel right now. Iran has been saying for a long, for, for, for quite some time now that there are planned to wipe Israel off of the map. That is the intention of, of Ahmadinejad's regime, and he is gaining support from surrounding nations. Um, and, uh, and the nuclear weapons program that he's building has not stopped. It has actually increased. And what's been happening is that just America's role in Israel uh, it was, was, was massive, massive. And, and you had Harry S. Truman standing as a political intercessor for the establishment of the state of Israel. And it was, it was God, I believe, setting up America as a sort of watchman and guardian over, over the people of Israel. Historically, nations that have come up against Israel within a very short matter of time have crumbled. Zechariah and Isaiah are very clear, and just, just they're, they're some of the main books in the Bible about God's end-time plan for Israel, that, um, that, that it is, that in the end, Zechariah says that this is, God says, I am jealous for Zion. I am, I am with great wrath. I, am, I have zeal for this city. Jesus calls it the city of the great king. When he comes back, Jerusalem will be the place where he governs the entire universe. He will set up a literal kingdom a literal temple, a literal government in that city. And he has ordained that, and it's not going to change. He calls Israel the apple of his eye. And Zechariah, as it's talking about Jerusalem, God says, here's the burden of the Lord. I am going to make Jerusalem a heavy stone. And any nation that touches it and picks it up, and, 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 and what he's really saying is, is that, that handles it and mistreats it, 
He says, I am going to wave my hand against them on Israel's behalf. God is jealous for his people. And it, Jerusalem has today become the center of international conflict. You know, for, for centuries, Jerusalem was not on the map. And all these prophetic testimonies in the scriptures throughout Jerus about Jerusalem and Israel were spiritualized, were, were over-symbolized, but then 1948, this nation rises out of the ashes. And suddenly, all of these prophetic words about, about Israel and Jerusalem are becoming much more relevant. The reestablishment of Israel and of Jerusalem as the capital is one of the greatest signs of the times right now that we are just upon the Lord's return. Okay? There are, um, Isaiah talks about Jerusalem. He says, I am, I am, I will not keep silent any longer until Jerusalem is made a praise in the earth, till her righteousness shines like brightness and her salvation is a torch that burns. And he's calling as, as Israel in the end times is being surrounded by the nations. Zechariah is clear that there is what we saw in Hitler's Holocaust. There is a greater Holocaust that the scriptures talk about that's coming to the Jewish people that will involve prison camps, will involve death camps. But there's a remnant that he's refining through the fire. And there's people all throughout the earth that he's calling up to stand with Israel. And in the midst of conflict, God's primary solution to releasing his purposes over Israel is Isaiah 62. He says, Jerusalem, I have set watchmen on your walls. And they will cry out to me day and night. You who make mention of Jerusalem, give me no rest until I establish her in the praise, as a praise in the earth. And the reason God's doing that is he has sovereignly chosen a specific city and a specific people through which he will release his glory all across the nations. And America right now, over, this, over the decades, has been standing with Israel more than any other nation. But we have seen a massive shift happen in this administration. Jerusalem does not need America, guys. America needs Jerusalem. And God's calling us as intercessors to get on the wall and stand for his purposes. Because what we bless when we, when we, when we pray for Jerusalem, that is, that is what the, our blessing of them means blessing for us. I want us to go ahead and start lining up on the wall right now. You know, as we're praying for Israel, the way we stand for Israel right now and in the days to come is we're praying for the spiritual breakthrough. Israel is by no means been innocent in everything that they've done. There, there are people that need God and God wants to break in with power and revival. He wants to lift that blinder off their eyes to see that Jesus is their Messiah, that he is their God. We wanna pray for it spiritually. We wanna pray for it politically because that's where Jesus is gonna set up his government. And it is very key that, he's, that, that people are standing with God's purposes for Israel. I just wanna read a little bit right now to open us in prayer out of Isaiah 62. How this is gonna work, if this is new to you, I'm gonna open up in prayer and I'm gonna start having about four, but three to five people pray and then the worship team is going to come in and sing and we're, gonna, we're just going to be kind of this exchange between prayer and worship. Um, so, uh, so you'll come up and you'll just release like a 10 to 20 second prayer um, for Israel. 
but I'm going to open up with Isaiah 62. It says, For Zion's sake I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, and her salvation as a lamp that burns. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness, and all kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You'll no longer be termed forsaken or desolate, but you will be called Hephzibah and Beulah, for the Lord delights in you. And you shall be called married. As a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. So Father, we agree today with your heart, with your zeal. I ask you to impart into the church of America your zeal for Zion. Lord, we stand as watchmen on the wall today, and we're asking you, Lord, to fulfill your purposes for Jerusalem. God, I ask for a great outbreak of revival in the land of Israel. I ask for you to lift the blinders over the eyes.